You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. This episode is about boredom, which actually turns out to be a very fascinating topic. I mean, we're talking about boredom as a call to action, boredom as potential energy, and some very concrete and useful techniques for building a pathway through boredom as part of your ongoing quest for excellence. Good evening, Satch. Good evening, Carlos. Uh, I was asking myself a question the other day, Uh which is kind of the inspiration for this topic we're about to uh, get into tonight. Uh Uh-oh. I asked myself, when was the last time I remember being bored? Here it comes. And I realized it was when I, it was the day that I asked myself that question. I was standing at the refrigerator door. I mindlessly got up and I opened the refrigerator door to look for something to eat when I wasn't hungry. And I realized it was boredom that made me do that. Oh my gosh. You know what? Yes. I'm really excited to talk about this. Okay, cool. Cool, it's kind cool. of weird to be excited to talk about boredom. It is. It is. Boredom and excitement don't seem like they go together. They don't really, but you and I have talked yeah. about this a little, haven't we? We have. And if you peek behind the curtain, there's some interesting inner workings at play mm-hmm. that are very interesting. Boredom is a revelatory concept. If you think about it, what does it reveal about the person who is bored? I have noticed that boredom has revealed a lot of interesting things to me about myself. Hmm. Have you, have you heard that, that uh, funny saying that only boring people get bored? Only boring people get bored. I've not heard that, but I like it. Yeah. I I like it too. Um, I think there's a flip side to it as well. And that is that maybe it's okay to be bored sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it is okay to be bored sometimes. What perhaps, uh, spurs on invention is things like boredom. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, Boredom, uh, you know, you get into a circumstance where you start to tinker because you are bored and it can be uh, a prompt for you to start searching, uh, to look deeper, to be creative with your moment, to um, perhaps find a way to entertain yourself, which could be a compulsion, right? But that compulsion could lead you to discovering something really important. Yeah. You know, I remember a math teacher uh, way back in college, every time she would introduce some new, you know, cool concept, and I say cool very loosely when we're talking about algebra, <laughs> she would often say that, see, people, you have to understand, these mathematicians, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago were bored out of their minds. They had nothing to do. So right. they sat down and they figured out these formulas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, boredom, the way I see it, and I'm sure the way other people see it too, or many other people, is that boredom is like this inner software program that humans have that ensures that we explore our environment and that we discover things. Yeah, but you know, let's talk about that for a moment because yeah. you know, these so-called math teachers from the past, I've, I've heard the same thing, different teachers say, yeah. oh, they were bored back then. How do we know that? You know, yeah, so it's, it's almost it's like a presumptive yeah. idea that they were bored when not necessarily. Um, you know, even the word boredom only entered our language, you know, something around 1760s, 1770s, something Yeah, I've like heard that. that too. So yeah. it's not even really an ancient idea, at least 
not to my knowledge. I mean, we haven't really yeah. seen that written about boredom. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Um, and, you know, the other meaning for the word bore, right, is to like drill a hole into something. Sure. Right? And it's, it does kind of feel like that sometimes, like you yeah. get something drilled into your head, you know, <laughs> when you're bored. Right. Maybe we perceive mathematics as boring. Therefore, we assume that they must have been really bored if they found that interesting. And but, that's just us. And that's just us. And, and we're, we're, you know, math strugglers, you and I. But right. what I've noticed about boredom is that it's not the same throughout your life. If you look at your timeline throughout your life, mm. things that we once found boring suddenly can be interesting later in life. Oh, that's and, true. and vice versa. That's true. And vice versa. And our tastes change. Our tastes change. And sometimes it has to do with getting started with something. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't understand concept A. And I, I resist concept A. I find concept A to be boring. Then, through circumstances, I discover something new about concept A. Mm. Now, concept A is a little bit more interesting and a little bit less boring. And next thing you know, I love concept A. Especially if it helped you in some way or you needed that information and get through something. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you're invested in it, you've got more engagement. Your nervous system is totally involved. And it's hard to be bored when you're totally involved with something. Yeah. How many people out there have been resisting doing a task that they didn't want to do? And then once they just rolled up their sleeves and started doing it, the next thing you know, they actually had to admit to themselves that they were having a decent time. Mm. There maybe perhaps even a fun time. There's actually research that shows that that's true. That if there's a task you don't want to do and you just start doing it anyway, your brain will start to produce happy chemicals. You start to enjoy the process anyway. Wow, that sounds like a relief to, yeah. to employ. I can think of so many things that bore the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. Taxes, for example. Sure. Organizing for taxes. Boring. Yeah. But I have to do it. And um, it'd be nice to be able to have some happy chemicals floating around in my bloodstream when yeah. I'm doing my taxes. I think I might get to it a little earlier than, than I would normally. Exactly. Exactly. So what's the I've, secret eating to getting those chemicals going? Well, you know, um, I think... A good starting point is to start to develop a bigger appreciation of our internal environment. There is a term that I really, really like, and I'd like to see this term uh, grow and become part of everybody's vocabulary. And that's the term interoception. 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 Uh, Interoception is a word that describes that inner sensation in your body when you have a gut feeling we could call that gut feeling interoception okay when you feel your heart racing that could be interoception how do you spell that uh i-n-t-e-r-o-c-e-p-t-i-o-n okay interoception i wanted to make sure i heard that right because i thought maybe you said introception but interoception interoception gotcha okay so it's the opposite of exteroception. Exteroception is all of our external senses, mm-hmm. sight, smell, sound, you know, that sort of thing. Interoception are those internally generated sensations that, that we have. We tend not to have as deep of a relationship with those interoceptive feelings. So it's perceptions of what feelings you have on the inside. Yeah. It's, it's inner feelings, basically. Okay. Yeah. So it's a kinesthetic internal yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Um, and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it could be, you know, lung sounds and, and feeling your heart and your blood vessels and, and maybe just interesting um, electrical activity just in your nervous system and in mm-hmm. your brain. Yet, yet we perceive it someplace in our body. 
Is this something from uh, neuroscience or yeah. occupational therapy? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is um, something from you know physiological and neuroscience gotcha. literature. Um, and you know there are some some words out there, sort of more in the psychiatric or psychological fields, mm-hmm. um, that use the word uh, interoception or interoceptive, right? And one of them is interoceptive avoidance. So interoceptive avoidance would be if somebody is avoiding situations or uh, triggers that cause unpleasant inner feelings, interoceptive feelings, because they interpret it as like, you know, panic, fear, you know, or or, or panic or fear inducing experiences, right? Because as you and I know very well, it's not really the exterior thing that we are running from. It's the pattern of sensations that it provokes in our body that we don't like right we are trying to get away from that interoceptive avoidance you know uh is an example of how that's used out there you know in those fields there's also interoceptive conditioning you know where um you learn to anticipate unpleasant you know events or situations because of those inner feelings that gut feeling that sense of angst inside yourself that, oh gosh, I'm going to be going to a party and there's going to be people there and I'm going to have to socialize and and it starts to, you know, overwhelm the person. Mm. Well, I would like to take a stab at coining some new terms with interoceptive. Okay. Right. Okay. And one of them is interoceptive exploration. Interoceptive exploration. Yeah. This is the idea that we should explore all of those inner feelings in various states, not just negative or positive, but how about even in bored states? How about in neutral states? What is that? What does neutral feel like? What is that like? You know, what does boredom feel like? Is there such a thing as neutral even? Well, remember in Buddhist meditation, they talk about pleasant sensation, unpleasant sensation, and sensation that is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Mm-hmm. So they don't really call it neutral. It's mm-hmm. neither pleasant nor unpleasant. But it's a sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to explore interoception, interoceptive exploration. You know, another term I think that's worth keying here is interoceptive play. And this is actually something that you do all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you play with inner feelings all the time. And you've actually helped me with that. You've mm-hmm. changed my inner feelings about different things in my life with uh, NLP techniques, hypnosis techniques, or, or just, just, you know, simply stating something in a different way. That's, that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in NLP, they talk about strategies, right? So a strategy is a, is a specific syntax of, you know, auditory, visual, kinesthetic steps that you take towards feeling anything. So if you have a perception of something, you know, liking something or feeling anxiety around something or feeling excited about something or feeling turned on about something, whatever it is, um, those things are accomplished by a step or two or three in the mind that gets you there. And so Mm -hmm. in strategy discovery conversations, which we do in NLP, where we're asking a person to identify how it is they're feeling what they're feeling, how they get there. And we get them to specifically remember moments in their life when they felt that and to replay the steps as finitely as possible, stripping away layers of what's going on underneath so that they can, you know, communicate and express how it is they feel anything, right? 
so that you can duplicate that or teach them how to you know, change it, alter it, restructure it so that they get a better result or a different result. Um, so that's um, interospection because okay. you are looking in and it's also, yeah. uh, what did you call it? Interspective play, right? Because you're, you're uh, learning uh, to play around with Interceptive play. Interceptive yeah. play, yeah. yeah. Um, it is that in a way. You yeah, know? yeah, it, it really is. Um, sometimes when you've talked about um, feeling a, a sensation somewhere in your body or noticing a sensation that's there mm. and then maybe noticing that there's a direction to it and then changing the direction yeah. or maybe changing the shape or moving it to a different part of the body, that's play. Yeah, that's, that's pl- playing with the ball. Move it around. You Internal know. kinesthetic proprioceptive yeah. sensations. Yeah, as it, opposed to the you know metakinesthetics like the feelings, the emotions, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's really liberating and enlightening to realize that a lot of these sensations that we have inside our body that we weren't even looking for, mm. and maybe went years and years and years and never even noticed they were there, mm-hmm. are not only there, but that we have more control over them than we realize that we can play with those things and shape them and mold them if, if we wanted to and that's play you know and it's healthy to, to explore those things well yeah you know here we are you know starting this conversation about boredom but the deeper we go into the rabbit's hole the more interesting it gets it does there's a lot of pieces to this yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and boredom is is an, a, an awareness of uh, maybe a dissatisfaction I mean I've I've heard that there's um you know, three basic types that they identify in positive psychology, okay. uh, right? There's the prevention from engaging in wanted activities. Okay, yeah, okay. Right, and that, that happens, right? Yeah. Um, being forced to engage in unwanted activities. Mm-hmm. And then there's being unable to maintain engagement in whatever activity you choose. You know, in case yeah. of like ADHD or ADD or some other cognitive deficit that can get in the way, right? Um, so those are types of boredom. Yeah. Um, but there is such a thing as a, a, you know, certain people have a more of a uh, boredom proneness, you know, they're they more do. likely to get bored, right? We all know types that, you know, don't like to have certain conversations or they don't like to sit still. And those are, we call them restless, but then very often, you know, they get bored quickly. They have right. a hard time maintaining attention and yeah. that's why they're bored. They're not able to subdivide or look deeper or to engage fully with their nervous system in the experience, therefore it's much easier for them to get bored. Yeah. But also yeah. easier for them to get depressed, easier for them to have attention deficit and other things mm-hmm. that can happen to, too. To get angry. And mm-hmm. uh, I read that... Irritable. In, yeah. And I read that yeah. people that get bored easily have heart disease, they, or they, they die from heart disease like two and a half times more than the average person. Wow. It's wow. very interesting. Well, I can yeah. imagine being... You know, the whole idea of being um, hypertensive, you know, the, imagine being really, really angry and irritated and frustrated and wanting things to change, but not being able to, what happens in your body? If you just even imagine that for just a second, you yeah. temporarily jump into that feeling. I can feel tension in my chest, yeah, in my shoulders, in my jaw, you totally, know, it's, it's, totally. it's a totally different experience. Yeah. And, and this is maybe a good time to point out that some of the best things that we have in our lives came because humans were able to overcome boredom and keep working on those things anyway, like our ability to read and write, um, our ability to um, do brain surgery and write music. Right. And these sorts of things required the ability to overcome boredom, at least at times. Right. You know, um, I'm sure I'm sure there were times when a lot of those studies were very fun and very exciting, but there does reach a point where energy is low and we don't want to continue, but we know that we need to have some sort of delayed gratification and we have right. to go through the boredom now so that we can be less bored later. Right, so, so let's say this, okay? 
boredom is an invitation to discover something new. I agree. I agree. Could you say that again? Boredom is an invitation to discover something new. Nice. I was thinking of boredom as like a call to action. Okay. And I think think, think you got it. Chinese medicine perspective, um, we can certainly apply yin and yang to it because, you know, this is sort of what I like to do. I like to apply yin and yang to everything. Um, you know how in the Tao Te Ching and in, in Taoist philosophy in general, they often talk about how from nothingness springs everything. From nothingness springs the 10,000 things or the myriad right. things, right? Yeah. Yin is boredom right when, when you're doing the same thing stillness crystallization stillness, yeah yeah lack and, of movement yeah there's not much going on that is very yin and the opposite of yin yang is is action warmth activity you know interest mm-hmm. these kinds of things from nothingness springs the ten thousand things from stillness springs action right right when you are still and you become overwhelmed with the sensation that it is time to go do something that is yin creating yang. Mm-hmm. And what I like to point out in this is that's energy, that's potential energy. And that energy can be used to do work. And we often go through boredom with the misconception that it is something that is happening to us rather than this amazing state that is producing energy for us to use instead. And we can redirect that energy. Um, I think of it as the potential energy of a bow drawing back an arrow. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that pressure that is created by boredom is drawing the bow back more and more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. And you develop this capacity to do work, mm-hmm. you know, with that boredom. Um, yet we oftentimes are too mindless and we don't take control of how we want to use that energy that is being built up by boredom. Mm. So if I'm studying something, which I've done a time or two, (laughs) if I'm studying something and boredom arises in me, I notice the boredom and I recognize it. You have to recognize it. You can't hide from boredom. There it is. Right. I like to actually play around with that and say, ah, this is an energy like that's like it's building up in my head and I'm able to focus it with like my inner lens and burn a hole in the paper that I'm reading. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I can use that boredom to sharpen my intellect, to sharpen my concentration. You know, that it's this power, like it's a battery pack that's charging my thoughts and my ability to, you know, to think and solve problems. And so, you know, that's one example, you know, that's a you practice that energy. Uh, yeah. discipline you've developed. Yeah. I don't yeah. think most people starting off um, have that, but you, sure you are an academic. You've yeah. spent a lot of time in school and mm-hmm. you've built that upon something. So what was the piece that you built upon to get that? That's a good question. Because when I was young, I, I probably spent the first 10 and a half, 
grades of my formal education <laughs> bored and wishing I was doing something else, right? Mm-hmm. Anything else, but, but, but first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up to about, you know, through 10th grade. So and, you were both forced to engage in unwanted activity as well as being prevented from engaging in wanted activity. Yes. And I was yeah. unable to maintain engagement yes. in said activity. Satisfying, right? thus satisfying all three categories right, of right. boredom proneness. That's it. In that moment. Know, um, I had a lot of interests. I have a lot of interests now. Um, I think what happened was I decided in the 11th grade that I had to become an acupuncturist. Ooh. And I knew that if I'm going to, I knew that if I'm going to become an acupuncturist, I'm going to have to start doing better in school because I'm going to have to get through basic community college level work in order to get what I, get to what I really want to do. Okay. But how did you figure out that you had to be? How did I figure out that I needed to do that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. How did yeah. you figure that I had to be an acupuncturist? Well, um, what happened was I had a meeting with a friend of my cousin's uh-huh. who was an acupuncturist. We had this great talk and something about it got me excited. Mm. So I had these interoceptive sensations mm-hmm. of excitement. It was, it was an energy building in me and I wanted to do it so much. It seemed so fun that I knew that I had to get to the point where I could do this fun thing that I want to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. But I understood that there was sort of a jungle between me and that fun thing. And that jungle was going to be school. And I was going to have to put my head down and get through it. Okay. Can, and can that I, was the moment. Please do. Can yeah. I suggest something yes. right now? Yes. Because yeah. I love where this is heading. Um, because the question for a lot of people who have a hard time changing their feelings is always, I don't know how to do that. How do, how do you do that? Yeah. How? Yeah. And what I'm asking you, I think, is revealing that, you know, you, you found a, a reason. You know, there's this concept of a be, do, have, right? That you have to be whoever it is that has the qualities that will do whatever it takes mm. in order to have yeah. whatever it is you want. Be, do, have. That, that's right? a, that describes what I did exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you're like, I somehow deeply resonate and I identify with the idea that I'm going to uh, awaken this identity. So you had the identity of the acupuncturist already inside of you that resonated that said, I am that. Yeah. And you stepped into being that. Therefore, it was this kind of almost like you just sort of lean forward into it and, and you're going to almost fall into whatever steps are necessary to get there, which isn't to diminish how hard it was or to say that it wasn't difficult or you didn't have to work your butt off to get there. Yeah. But it's to say that at, on a, at a certain level, you're so motivated to do it. Um, the energy was was coming into you and through you to get you to do it where you might not have had that if, if you were just doing it for some uh, unmotivating reason, right? There's, that's not really a reason yeah, if you're not motivated exactly. by it. I, I feel like, you know, um, uh, quoting Roberta Flack, you know, that you just sang my life with your words. That's exactly <laughs> what my process was. Yeah. I wasn't aware that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, we just modeled it. Yeah, there you that's go. It. Yeah, you just model it. Yeah, it's perfect. So that's true exactly for anybody who wants to use um, boredom. But, you know, let's say somebody has um, uh, a desire, a strong desire to not be bored by something and they want to get through it. Well, if, if they can explore um, what it is that they really do want mm-hmm. and find a way of connecting said behavior, bored behavior, boring behavior, to the attainment of that thing, yeah. If they can figure out a pathway through that, like you did, mm-hmm. they will find the motivation to then develop whatever, you know, will or 
or efforts that will cause them to be able to burn a hole in the in the paper with their will. Yeah, you know, like you like you mentioned earlier. I mean, yeah. that's kind of it. Is is that a lot of people they just don't find that, and so it's a big mystery. Is how how do people do it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you're describing this. Um, I, I've developed a few little inner strategies that I often share with my students mm-hmm. that that help. One of the things that I tell them is I'm, I'm trying to explain to them, you know, and inspire them to to uh, study with with some some gusto, right? right? One of the things I'm often telling my students is. All right, everybody, like I'll, I'll be in class and I'll realize everybody's getting kind of tired. It's after lunch. You know, the, the focus is going down. I'll say, okay, everybody stop, right? I want you to reach in and grab that dial inside of you that controls your attention span mm-hmm. and turn it up. You know, we all laugh and <laughs> yeah. grab that thing and crank it up, up the decibels. And we all laugh, right? Yeah. Right. Crank up your, your ability to pay attention, max it out. And yeah. if you, you know, and if you get bored again, crank it up again. You know what I mean? And so I yeah. use this metaphor of a dial that's inside them mm-hmm. that they can turn up. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, but it comes back to that idea that, that, if you know what it is you need to accomplish and what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Then you can find a few, a few, you know, uh, stages in between to help you get there. A few tools. Right. You know? yeah. I mean, Hey, um, when you're in love and it's middle of the night and your sweetheart is aching, hurting, mm-hmm. uh, got a headache, um, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. even though you're dead tired there's something inside of you that could possibly give you that motivation. You know what? I'm going to get up and make her some tea right now, or I'm going to, you know, um, get her a cold washcloth or whatever it is that you do. Yeah. Because you know, normally you'd think, like from a selfish standpoint, hell no, I don't want to get up. I want to sleep. I'm having a nice dream. I'm enjoying this pillow. It feels mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But when you have this part of your heart, this love, this identity where you 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 see yourself and, and experience yourself as this person's partner. Um, then you realize that as you imagine being her, it aches inside to think of her being in pain or, or her having that discomfort. So the why becomes clear and suddenly you feel this motivation to get up, to wake up, to get out of bed, to go do whatever it is you need to do to help her. It would be the same if you have a child or, or a pet or anything like that because you have already decided um, your why and the identity of, of how you relate to the situation gives you the motivation to do something that's not easy, not mm. comfortable. Yeah, and yeah. to the degree that you can start to identify all these different places in your life where you do these difficult tasks, these uncomfortable things, you start to get used to the idea that you're the type of person who can do difficult things, difficult tasks, in spite of uh, whatever difficulty you accomplish it, because you're the type of person, right? So identity starts to evolve from that practice. You know, it's the grist from the mill, right? You're, you're, you, that hard work is um, fueling and smoothing out the process of you becoming more like that, Yeah, that identity of this person. So um, going back to the idea of only boring people get bored, um, it's kind of true, but it's also, it doesn't end there. Like yeah. you can become a more interesting person and be less boring and therefore less bored because you start to find a new identity that opens up possibilities to explore. Remember, remember the idea of maybe 
it's an opportunity to discover new things. So what could you discover about yourself? What, what could you discover about your process or what you're doing that could open up a whole universe of interesting things? You could discover how much more powerful that you are that you never realized you were. You know, how much sure. more willpower you have, how much more loving could you be, how much more uh, nurturing and, and loyal or all these things that can start to have a self, um, what's the word, not self-fulfilling, but like a self-generating positive um, feeling. So now all of a sudden the boredom becomes an impetus for you to push through something, which then causes you to realize that you're so much more than that. And the boredom decreases. Yeah. The boredom becomes less of an issue. Yeah. Because you start to realize, hey, that's just a trick of the mind, really. How I turn my attention could change my experience greatly. Yeah, yeah. Boredom, I think we would agree, is a trance state. Right? It is. It's a trance state. Trance of boredom. Yeah, the trance of boredom. Listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Up next, Carlos and Satch continue their surprisingly compelling conversation about boredom and using it as a springboard for exploring the inner landscape. Man, is there anything these guys can't make interesting? So, so boredom is a trance and it's also something that we could recognize when it pops up into our being. That's a great time to go, Oh, that's supposed to remind me to, Mm -hmm. and then fill in the blank. Right. Right. So find something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If I feel bored, that's me going, Oh, good. I'm bored. That's my signal. Mm. That's my signal that I'm disengaging. That's my signal that, um, there's a call to action. That's my signal that my job is to now find something deeper and more interesting that I didn't see before. Yeah. Um, I've attended many, many, many lectures, many continuing education conferences, many, 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 And they many. were all interesting, riveting, Yeah, every single fascinating. one was exciting from, from the moment I got there to the moment I, I got home. Not. Uh, not exactly, right? <laughs> and the thing is, the longer you've been in a profession, the more infrequently you find something that's really new and intriguing. Hmm. There's a lot of rehashing of a lot of the same stuff, but I always made it my job to walk away from a lecture, no matter how familiar I was with the material, no matter how many times I've heard it, that it was my job to find something in there that I didn't know before. New distinctions. There's something. And so then it became, how good can I get at harvesting something from this, this very meager crop, you know, excellent. <laughs> and, and, and it became that way, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe there isn't anything there. Maybe what I could do is practice my ability to pay attention for long periods of time yeah. and sharpen my focus. Maybe that's the only thing I'm going to get out of that lecture. Mm-hmm. Right. But Hey, well, what else am I going to do for the next two hours? I might as well spend two hours sharpening my instrument. I totally relate to this. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time, taking NLP classes yes, and reading to. and things like yeah. that. And honestly, um, you know, it's, it, it gets harder and harder to find, um, you know, people that I want to spend days with, 
uh, learning that particular thing because I, it's it's rehashing quite a lot. Um, but I do the same thing of just really focusing in on on um, finding new distinctions and zeroing in on something. You know, it could be just even the the way something's presented that I might be able to use later, or um, or maybe I can ask a new question in a new way that makes it seem new to my head you know, to, to my experience. Yeah. Um, and that isn't to say that there, there isn't plenty for me to learn in NLP. There really is. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not the average teacher anymore sure. for me. I, I, I've just been through it too many times and, and, um, it, it takes more work for me to extract those kinds of things from, from, um, certain teachers. But, uh, as you know, it's a lifelong practice and, and I'll go deeper and find, I'll find folks that that have mastered it to a much deeper level than me. Um, oh yeah, that's just my mission is to always kind of keep looking and find people who can can really open up new doorways for me and stuff. That's that's what it's all about. That's yeah. why I love what I do, and I think that's why you love what you do. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And if you teach it, that doesn't mean you can't go to a conference and find somebody who might have something really useful for you. Sure, you know, oh, all maybe the time. A, maybe even a whole new concept that you hadn't considered yeah. before. And oh. I love that. Isn't that cool? It's like a little fireworks uh, display that happens oh, yeah. in, your, in your synapses, oh, yeah. right? Every, every time every time we interview a new person on this show, yeah, right. I walk away with with multiple nuggets, multiple gold nuggets of things that that change my reality or change the way I'm going to do things forever. You it's know? exciting. And it is. It's very exciting. And so um, boredom, I think, can... I think that here's part of the lesson here is that boredom can be dealt with by the fact that it's signaling you that you are disengaging and that it's time to open up your senses more right? and to pay attention a little deeper to begin to search with curiosity rather than to be there and, and, and to remain passive in the situation. Right. It's a, it's a moment of, um, I would say, broken concentration too, because if your mission is to be vigilant to guard for something. Let's say you were doing security. Mm-hmm. How's that any different than being alert at a seminar? Well, sure, it's different, but yeah, it's more similar than it is different because the the thing that you have to do in your your uh, nervous system is be on constant alert. You know that awareness and holding that yeah. that uh, centered, poised um, listening quality to your senses. Um, that's true for, you know, guarding a place or yeah, um, that's a good point. doing security. Yeah, that's a good know, point. You, you have to, to pay attention. You're giving me images of fishing right now. Oh yeah. Right. You know, you, you have your fishing pole out in the water and you're sitting in a quiet lake in a chair and it's nature sounds and the occasional bird. And you just have to sit there for hours and hours staring at the tip of a pole. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, fishing is a form of meditation and a lot of people don't like fishing because it's boring and right. it is boring most of the time. It's really exciting when that tip of the pole moves, yeah. you know, but, but most of the time you're just sitting there staring, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the first things I do when I notice I'm bored is I simply begin by analyzing the boredom itself. That's one of the first things I do. Oh, I'm bored. Well, what kind of boredom is this? Where's this boredom located? You know, is this like all the other boredoms or is this different from the usual boredom that I feel? You know, and sometimes I notice it is a different kind of boredom. That's what to ask, why am I bored? What is it about this that's boring? Is it this or is it me? Is it the topic? Is it the person? Is it the environment? Is it the temperature? Is it you right. know, what I did last night or what I'm going to be doing tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is the reason that's, that's making me bored? And that's, that's usually where I like to start. 
But, if, but if why do you do that, Satch? I mean, what even drove you mm-hmm. to, to even ask that question? Because it's kind of unusual, right? I it mean, is. how many people sit there and, and ask themselves, well, what kind of boredom is this? And, yeah. and how is, you know? I, I think what started it was um, that little story I told earlier about being in meditation. Okay. And I, and I realized I was bored, but the only thing I was allowed to do while I was sitting there in meditation is pay attention to my body sensations. Okay. That's, that's what my instructions were, right? So like, oh, well, I'm bored. Well, well, well let, me, let me observe boredom then. What, what's, what's this feel like? And then, so that was the first time that I realized that, oh, it really is just a, a mixture of different sensations that we interpret with this particular word that we've been taught. So you, you, happened, upon, you happened upon it. You yeah. discovered something. Stumbled and upon it. Realized there was some value in doing that. Yeah. And, and then I took the idea and just thought, oh, I'm going to remember this. Because it, 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 it affected me, affected me, affected me, affected me. I looked upon my inner landscape and noticed that, oh, there are areas and valleys and peaks and depths that I didn't realize were there. You know, and and it was all these sensations and, and how I've been spending my life reacting, you know, to things that I wasn't even aware I was feeling, but I was feeling them. And so that was sort of the, the, the genesis of, of analyzing my own boredom. You know, hmm. I analyze all kinds of internal states now, you know, right. because of that. But, um, um, well, uh, for the listener, I think that that's useful because, um, if they, if they want to explore what's possible, it begins somewhere. Right, it begins yeah. with a, this inquiry, this this intro introspection, right? Introspection, and, and introspection. There you go, introspection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be able to discover uh, what that is. So, if you know, if the listeners never tried this before, just as a thought experiment, wouldn't that be cool? If you can imagine yourself the next time you get bored, doing some introspection, asking yourself. Where did this boredom begin? What does it feel like? Is it does it have a location yeah. in the body? Um, you know, does it have it? You know, if it if it began, then where's the ending point of it? Yeah. Um, what other qualities are involved in the in the boredom? Is there any kind of imagery there? Is there any kind of um, self talk that surrounds it? Is there a yeah. kinesthetic feeling? Is there a, a tension or a release in the body in a particular way? Um, does the heart respond to it by pumping faster? or not? Does the breathing tighten? Does it not? What yeah. else? What else could they look for? Yeah. Um, what parts of my body feel like they want to move? Okay. Do I feel like I want to move the backs of my thighs or the fronts of my thighs? Hmm. Do I want to move my shoulders? Or do I want to move my hands? And, and where, where's that feeling? And where exactly is that feeling? And as soon as you find a location of a sensation, then where's the location within the location? And then where's the location within that location? You know, subdividing, subdividing, yeah. subdividing. Yeah. And then sometimes to say, okay, I'm going to purposely make a change and then see what happens now. Okay. So I'm feeling bored and I want to make this movement. Let me make that movement. Now, what do I feel? Oh, release. Well, what's that like? Where's that? And then start the process. You know, again. So, so the student of mindfulness, whether they're a beginner or a seasoned practitioner, could actually use this technique immediately. Immediately. In right fact, now. they should be doing it right now while we're speaking. Right. Hopefully we're not boring you too much, but yeah. 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 But we're giving them, you know, something to work with. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to, and here's the other thing uh, th- that I do anyways, when I, when I get bored and I find this very interesting, right. Is to go, well, it's only a sensation. I can ignore it. 
You know, I mean, just because there's a sensation that I have that's coming from inside that I need, that I'm feeling this way, I need to go do something else. Doesn't mean I have to listen to it. You know, you can get bored of the boredom. Yeah, you can get bored of the boredom. I, I also uh, like to screw with it. You know, screw around with it. Just go. Oh, I'm feeling bored. Well, then I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and be even more still and just see what I do to it. You know, <laughs> is it gonna change? Is it gonna get upset? You know, or is it gonna give up? Boredom is sexy. Yeah, it is very sexy. Ooh la yeah. la, boredom. You can you can you can play with it. You can tease it. You know, um, uh, get get uh, get playful with your with your boredom. Yeah. <laughs> Spank your boredom. with boredom um, it's true for, for other things too um, um, some people interpret boredom as depression but it really isn't you know it can lead to depression it can be a symptom of depression an indicator but it isn't depression yeah it's distinctly different as we develop emotional intelligence boredom is definitely one of those things we have to cross into as far as exploring what it is um just like um, all the other emotions, you know, um, they can be distortions at some level. Um, my friend Michael Watson, um, in a seminar that he gave, talked about anger as a distortion. Okay, and I hadn't thought about that hmm. anger until as a he mentioned. It, I thought, yeah. what do you mean? And and as I was listening to him, he was talking about. He said, you know, imagine uh, even a really nice sound, and you crank up that sound really loud. It gets it gets so loud that it hurts. Yeah, you can't take it anymore. That's you a know? good point. And yeah. so you're not able to differentiate what that is. So he said, so he just asked the question. He said, okay, maybe anger is its own thing, but but is it? Ask yourself, what are you really angry about? Is it frustration? Are you disappointed? Yeah. Are you feeling you know let down? Yeah. Are you feeling frustrated? So maybe, just maybe, he was putting forth this idea, and I, I thought it was worthy of serious thought. Maybe the word anger is just a description for a distortion. Yeah. Wow. And that anger itself maybe is a more of a meta category, possibly. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's useful to think it's about. It's very interesting. You know, it, it brings to mind the lyrics of uh that Eagle song where Don Henley sings uh in that song There's a Hole in the World Tonight. He says he starts off the song with they say that anger is just love disappointed. Oh yeah, right. You know, and it's kind of what you're talking about there, mm-hmm. or you know, what what this is about, you know. Yeah. Um Did they violate your rules? And now you're pissed yeah. off. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's distorting some kind of expectation or mm-hmm. some, you know, yeah, a distortion. I think I think that's very very true. Are yeah. you feeling rage? Is it is it yeah. a violent expression? Yeah, of I also anger? yeah, I also think um, this is not true just of boredom, but all of these emotions. I mean, we're on the topic of of all these various emotions, mm-hmm. um, uh, which you know we could say boredom is is one of them, or is yeah. in there somewhere in the mix. Yeah. Um, is that we all too often think of the external object as causing that state of mind or state of emotion in us rather than looking at the external object as revealing that emotion or state of mind to us. Mm -hmm. For example, 
you and I have meditated quite a bit, mm-hmm. right? Our sound engineer, Oliver, has done a lot of meditation as of recently too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, many people will tell me, oh, meditation is just so boring, mm-hmm. right? And I realize that no, meditation is not boring. It just simply is revealing the boringness that's in you, right? You know, just like algebra reveals the boring that is in me. <laughs> you know, algebra is not boring. It is showing me the boredom that's in me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, certain lectures. You don't have a reason yeah. for being good at it yet. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a reason yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, boredom, boredom. It's not very boring. It really is. It's not boredom. It, it not boring. Really is a fascinating thing to look at and to study and to explore. Yeah, not for us anyway. Not intrepid explorers that we are. Yeah. Um, did you think that we were gonna have this much to say about boredom? Knowing you and I, when we get together and start talking, I figured we probably would. True enough. But I wasn't sure how this conversation was going to go, to to be honest. I had faith that um, we would uncover some pretty cool things about boredom. Yeah, I had a Um, sense of that. But I wasn't um, uh, quite sure what exactly or how we were going to get there. Indeed. Well, you know what? Uh, The next time I even think about the idea of boredom, I'm going to have a whole lot more to think about. Me too. You know, every, every talk that we have like this changes me a little bit and this one's going to change me for the better again you know uh boredom gosh my my old friend you've been listening to the authenticity show with your hosts carlos casados and satch purcell the show is produced by oliver altine Our theme music is composed by Oliver Altine. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our website, AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day.